Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Real spoilers, powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. TalkSTL.com Real Spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the war room of the O'Keefe Think Tank, this is Real Spoilers, episode 147, Hateful Eight. Oh, yeah. Quentin Tarantino and his eighth movie. And it actually has eight in the title. It does. Do you think that he, like, originally wrote the script for seven people, and then he's like, well, damn, I got to put an eighth person in there because it's my well, but eighth the, movie. I, he could have, I don't think so, because there's, like, 10 or 12 characters. Yeah, there's a lot of people in this. <laughs> this. I haven't even ever thought about who the Hateful Eight are. Like, I never even thought about it, actually. So, so it was... Well, we'll get into it, but yeah. it's you're all of your main characters, except for the people that you see in the flashback. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. because if you go down the list, you have Samuel L. Jackson, Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Lee, Walton Goggins, Demian Beecher, I guess I'm saying that right, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Bruce Dern. There's your eight. And that, that's the eight they're listed on, the the order they're listed in IMDb, and then you get to to the James Parks who plays the guy who's driving the wagon. OB. OB. So I'm assuming he doesn't count, so right. anything after that. Okay. But then that means Channing Tatum isn't one of them, which seems kind of like he right. should be. You would think that he, he's oh, got to be. Well, the, probably the, the girl probably isn't. The girl, she, she's the main. Character. She's the most hateful of all. Yeah. Of them. But is she part of the? I, I just that's what I'm wondering. I don't get who he's classifying as the hateful eight. Like, uh, is I it mean, the people that are trying to save her to kill her? Like, is there what's his formula? I just don't know what. I just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Let's. So, Chapter one. Yeah. Last stage to Red Rock, Joe. So if you know anything about Quentin Tarantino, is that uh, most recently, actually, I feel like his films probably from. Inglorious uh, Bastards. No, I would even say Death Proof have become dialogue driven. Not that they always have, but I. Not, I was, not, well, not, hold not, on, hold no, on, no, no, hold on. I don't on, mean. I don't, like, I don't mean like that they always haven't been, but like you have that scene in Death Proof where they're sitting around a table. You and that's, have that, that scene, scene in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, but that scene is shorter. <laughs> yeah, like those scenes Pulp are getting fiction. longer and longer and longer, just because he's telling more stuff. I'm not saying that's not what I'm saying. I'm oh, just saying, he did that. He did that diner scene with the dialogue in Death Proof. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But I mean, like you, you know as well as I do, that scene in Death Proof goes on for a while. I hate that movie. I like that's my that. least favorite movie of his. Really? Ever. Oh, see. I wanted to I wait like to tell movie. you. Yeah. I mean, you guys don't like Jackie Brown as much as the others. Jackie Brown's I, probably my least, least favorite. I haven't but seen again, it came out though, so seen I should it. forever. Okay. I I mean Jackie Brown I think is a good movie, but I think there's a reason why Death I like the idea and I think Planet Terror was way better than Death Proof, but I just thought Death Proof was boring. I mean, okay, Kurt Russell's cool. I'm not saying there aren't cool parts of Death Proof, but I think overall the movie that is whole, just, I'm sorry, that whole scene with Zoe Bell on the hood of that car. Yeah, that's, that's a cool fantastic. scene for sure with Kurt Russell and her. Yeah. But uh 
yeah, I just, I don't know where, where it starts for me, where Quentin Tarantino, again, I love Tarantino. I mean, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. I mean, True Romance is one of my favorite films of all time. He wrote that to make Reservoir Dogs. So I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, but I, where I saw a change, where I saw a visual change and a filmmaking change where he just seemed to become a better filmmaker technically was Inglorious Bastards. Like something agree. clicked and it just like from Inglorious Bastards on every film has been better than the last, better looking, better you know I, I think I, I personally for me I think it was when he started doing quote unquote genre movies. So I mean like Kill Bill is a sam is an old Japanese movie. Uh, Kill Bill two is a spaghetti western. And those are awesome movies. Don't yeah but I th- I, to me that's the that's the flip is when he started doing genre movies so then obviously he did a war movie he did a uh, he's done a western yeah. i don't really know what you would classify this as but you know something i guess changed. a western, Maybe a western. yeah 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 but to me like inglorious bastards i mean i don't know tell me if you guys disagree but it, it was more artistic like inglorious bastards is where i saw like more art I, again all this is art it's theater but but you know what i mean like visually like beautiful those, those more... wide sweeping scenes in the beginning yeah. of inglorious bastards I would i'm agree just with like that. that that to me was like wow so, so guy... you gotta wait well i, I think what, what you're saying and why you're having a hard time delineating because it's not like he's never been a visual director no no is that i think early on his visual panache was was driven by the camera yeah, mm-hmm. it was camera angles, right? Mm-hmm. And it was the way the way he you know the way he would frame a shot. Mm-hmm. Where I think when he started getting into these bigger movies, it became more about the way he constructed. A I shot would agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it, it was about his cinematography played more of a yeah. Where where you know originally it was like it's this cool shot with the cameras in the trunk and mm-hmm. you know what I mean and, and or you know. <coughs> In Reservoir Dogs, when the camera's looping around him, it's like the camera is is a character, right? And the camera has become less of a character, mm-hmm. and it's more of an omnipotent eye than it had agree. been previously. Yeah. And it's and so it's more about, you know, there's lots of like great visuals in this, but it's more about him capturing scenery in a dramatic way, which is why he wanted well. the seventy millimeter. Um, but we'll get into whether or not right. that was worth it. Yeah, I, I I'm leaning towards no. So it's, the movie it's opens. Tough. Well, I, mean, I just I want to your point about just real quick about the the big sweeping shots. He starts that in Kill Bill, like in Kill Bill, that scene where she's looking like Bruce Lee on a motorcycle and she's driving through the streets of Japan. You know, he's he's doing that big shot where she's going around the city. So, like yeah. to your point, I th- I think that's where it starts. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be yeah, Kill Billish, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. For whatever reason, Inglorious Bastards seems bigger and different to me, but. He's a great filmmaker, no doubt. But it's, it's but you just, see that a lot with filmmakers where they kind of do something smaller in one movie. Like I'm not. I know you're saying this is bigger, but I mean like it's a smaller element yeah. of a, yeah. of a film. I think it was a test. And they extrapolate. Right, exactly. That's what I he think. learned on Kill Bill. Like the famous one. The one I always think of the most is Woody Allen with Annie Hall. Like the Woody Allen like fans always because Woody Allen kind of went under dramatic turn after Annie Hall. Yeah. But so the 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 debate among. Woody Allen fans has always been is Annie Hall his last comedy or his first drama? Interesting, because as funny as Annie Hall is, it's also a very dramatic movie. This you know, and it, and it ends on a downbeat, right? And which is unusual for a romantic comedy, and and so you know, and so and then he rolls into Manhattan, and then I think what Stardust Memories and Interiors, and you get a lot more of the dramatic stuff from, and it's a while before you see a flat out comedy from Woody Allen, again. right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh. I mean, it's like 10 or 15 years, maybe, you know, huh. um, and Broadway Danny Rose, but it was like a different type of comedy, you know, it wasn't but, his kind of traditional, I guess. Yeah, yeah. totally. And so, um, anyway, um, 
Uh, and so, like, I, I, th- I think that, you know, I, I get what you're saying, that it's like, he was kind of like, oh, that'd be fun to play with. Right. You and know? then it works, and he's like, I'm going to keep doing that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, this this movie starts with a giant shot of what it looks like a crucifix, and it just kind of pulls out and pulls out and pulls out and pulls out, and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And finally, we see the stagecoach, and it's coming down like this, you know, it's all snowy, and then we are introduced to four of our characters who we'll see for a while. So, Sam Sam Jackson is standing in the middle of this road and the the buggy kind of stops and they have this interaction and now we're introduced to OB who is driving the stagecoach and then we're also introduced to um Kurt Russell who is just rocking the greatest mustache ever on film. Kurt Russell is awesome in this movie. Kurt Russell I'm is so awesome glad, in anything I'm that so he's glad in. that Kurt Russell's <laughs> back though, you know? Like I, I love, love Kurt Russell. Love seeing him in Furious 7, right? Is the yeah. seventh one. You know, he's in Furious 7. He's doing he did Bone Tomahawk. Did you he's, see Bone Tomahawk? Uh, I haven't seen it yet, Ooh-wee. but I heard it's good. That's intense. But it's like I, I he's love He's going to be Star-Lord's dad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Guardians too. S- supposedly. He's so, never yeah. seen Guardians of the Galaxy, which is interesting. <laughs> Man, what a, he's Kurt Russell, whatever. Yeah. But uh, you know, he this guy's been around forever and obviously I mean he's done some amazing films and I love that he's coming back and the computer, computer war tennis shoes. <laughs> Let's not forget that. <laughs> Always a good one. Yeah. You know, yeah. Overboard. Yeah. I said some amazing no, films. Okay. Overboard, all amazing overboard's films. great. Yeah. I love overboard. Yeah. Is that where he's the met, weightlifting? Is that where he met Goldie Hawn? Yeah. Yeah. What is the weightlifting where one? Where he's all stretchy. I don't know. His arms get all stretchy. Yeah, what is that? I don't know. It was a Disney flick, though. Stretch oh, yeah, Armstrong? Yeah, yeah. Is he Stretch Armstrong? No. Is he Stretch Armstrong? No, they haven't made one of those. <laughs> I don't anyway, know, but he was yeah. like he was the, he was a Disney kid for a while. Yeah, oh, we yeah, get it. You yeah. love Kurt Russell. Uh, we, he's awesome. Yes. So I did love his character in this movie. Yeah, so he, uh, we learned that Sam Jackson's character, uh, Major Marquis, Marquise Warren, is a bounty hunter, or the head hunter, and he's got this pile of bodies and they kind of pull up, and he's like, "Look, I'm. We're all going to the same place. Can you give me a lift?" So they get stuck in this huge blizzard. They're so, they're, they're getting. They're trying to beat a blizzard, right? To but, get to Red Red Rock. Red Rock. So John Ruth is taking Daisy Domague to be hung. She, Correct. She is. This we don't know wanted. Yet. Yeah, we know that she's wanted. We don't know wh- why or who she is. Just that Kurt Russell, who they call the Hangman, um, yeah, is getting her to this town so she can hang. And he can collect the bounty. Right. And the, his deal, and his deal is, as we learn, is that if there is a bounty on your head and it's either dead or alive, he will always bring you in alive because he wants you to hang. Yeah. Hence his nickname. Yeah. So they kind of strike a deal. It turns out that there's a little bit of a connection between Marquise and John. Um, and this takes place right after the Civil War. Yeah. Yeah. The Civil War is over. Very recently. Right. Over. So um, the, the materials all seem to say six or eight years. I don't know where they. That, okay. Six or eight. Yeah. Six it's or it's, eight. A, it's like okay. it does not between six and eight. Like they're like six or eight. It's weird. Like <laughs> either or. Like there's something in the movie that signify that's a time marker. I could not figure I out don't what, know it is, what it is. But that or, or maybe, maybe there was two. Conflicting things in the movie, I, which I, he does, he does, he's done sure, that before. But I, yeah, I couldn't figure out what what they were. Uh-uh, okay. Neither could I. So they have this interaction, and it turns out that there's they have this past history where they kind of knew they they hung out at one point. So they they're shared kind a of they're, they're, they're acquaintances. He sees them like people start to recognize each other, which is kind of cool that you would have all these characters cross paths. And as soon as Samuel t- Jackson <laughs> walks up, you uh, mean a Tarantino movie where everybody kind of knows each other. But I, you know, I love it that, uh, you know, the hangman, he, you know, he's like, hey, I know you. you Right, right, right. And they's like, oh, yeah, we shared a dinner. It seems like a plot device, but if you think about it, it's back then, it may not have been. It's the 18, it's, you know, it's the, what, early 1870s. Right. You're in Wyoming, a, a very sparsely populated state. Yeah. And they're going to 
one of the few towns towns in the state so like it would you know what i mean like it would stand a reason that if they were all in that state they could be converging correct on roughly yeah. the same point right. especially like when people are jet setting around the u.s i mean yeah. you live and especially when right. they're when they're all there for kind of the same reason yeah, yeah there's there's a there's you know, a there's an underlying thing that's gonna bring all these people, <laughs> yeah it's gonna bring all these people together so you know kurt russell being super cautious is just kind of like look we'll give you a lift but you got to give OB your guns and you can ride in the back and you ride on that side and, you know, do whatever. So they, they kind of pick up and they take off. Um, they kind of they have they have some some interactions that turns out that Sam Jackson's character has a letter from Abraham Lincoln. So Kurt Russell's kind of like, do you do you still have it? And he's yeah. like, yeah, I, I still have. It. He's like, look, I know you don't like taking out of that envelope, but like, I'd like to read it. And he was like, all right. So they gives him the letter. And that's just kind of this moment where he's like, oh, man, like it's it's kind of it's weird because there's so much affinity for Abraham. Like there's so much love for Abraham Lincoln right. in this movie where they're just kind of like, Oh, that letter just yeah. gets me right. In, well, gets I mean, me right in the heart. To be fair, if you had, I mean, this is obviously pre internet, you know, there's not a lot of, that's true. There's not a lot of information out there about right. the president. And if you have a letter from the president, it's not like, a. Abraham Lincoln was retweeting you back in these days. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you didn't get a lot of interaction with the president of the United States. If he wrote you a letter, that's a damn big yeah, deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. And then, like, the last line of the letter is, just, you know, like, Mary Todd's a calling. And, like, Kurt Russell's like, he gets me every time. Old yeah. Mary Todd's old, a calling. Old Mary Todd's a calling. <laughs> Here you go. And then Daisy Dumber Goose spits on the letter. And this is great. And so, so the whole time, so John Ruth has Daisy Domergue handcuffed because right. he doesn't want her to escape, obviously. You know, is it a $10,000 bounty on her? head so so when she spits on the letter samuel jackson's character punches her off the stagecoach so, and john ruth goes flying there's out. a jennifer jason lee gets punched in the face a lot in this movie yeah it's uh yeah, i it's, wasn't sure how to take that it's it was tough it was, because like i was thinking it was the 1870s and she but it was also definitely oftentimes played for laughs but i also the yeah, crowd i saw it with was laughing at it. I, I definitely got some laughs in my crowd as well um I just feel like she was such a like the character was so bad. The, the character I think is probably the most hateful of the hateful. Yeah, eight. right. And and uh, and so it's easy to despise her, but like that she is just she they, she gets the crap kicked out of her. She gets b- beat up repeatedly. <laughs> she gets like lots of like gross things happen to her, <laughs> thrown in her face yeah. repeatedly. Like right, it's right. just like, and I'm just like, oh, I don't get what we're establishing here. I I, I can only think. I mean, because there are, I mean, just like Django, they use some colorful language. Yeah. A lot. And I just have to think that, like, it's maybe what Tarantino thinks back then was like, you know? Well, most Westerns normally, like, just remove race from the equation. This one does not. No. And neither did Django. Like, Django did not hold anything back either. Yeah. But where in Django, it was like, here it's more of, it's... In the background, I mean, it's it's. I guess well, com- yeah, I guess compared yeah. to Django, right? Because Django is kind of front and center about, the entire time. About, it's about it, him, yeah, yeah. freed slaves. So. Where right. this is more about people just living in the world where racism is is it, not dead. And you know, you got to give it to Tarantino because that's something that <laughs> most filmmakers would beat around that bush. Most people would not use the same language, but I guarantee that's exactly what it was like back then. I, I mean, it was just people probably. I mean. No. I mean, you're not wrong. You just had the Civil War where half of the country was for slavery. Right. You know, it's just it's interesting that uh, most filmmakers would not probably use this colorful language. They would just kind of like sweep that to the side. And Quentin Tarantino tries to make it as 
factually accurate yeah for the times yeah. as possible that's probably that's probably true uh, and he's also he's also it's that hard to say because he's so stylized i'm not saying that racism wasn't prevalent and and frighteningly casual back then right but i don't i i i, I think i would pull short on saying that it's that his representation of it is historically accurate i don't know i, I just I like granted I, he's <laughs> not trying to make something historically right accurate. right i that's, think that's kind of is my yeah, point that's you know? true I, I, I can see what you're saying yeah uh, uh, so they they go, they keep going down the road and so they, chapter two chapter two son of a gun <laughs> and they're going down the road and this is the scene where she she spits on the letter and he punches her in the mouth no and, that ends chapter is that one. end chapter that one ends chapter okay. one yeah so they're they're moving right along and this is where we're introduced to Walter Guggins who was one of my favorite actors I love this guy Walton he, Goggins G- is it Goggins yeah. okay so he was in the Shield he was on Justified. Um, and he was in Django. He was in Django. He's like one of the like he's like he's Leonardo the, DiCaprio's right hand yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Uh, Django and him always getting to like he, he and Django have many scene like interactions with each other. Yeah. yeah, and he turns out that he is going to be the new sheriff of Red Rock. So we meet. What's the sheriff's name? What's his name? Mannix. Mannix. So it turns out that he is going to be the sheriff of Red Rock. He's the new sheriff of Red Rock. And Kurt Russell, in his infinite wisdom, is like, it doesn't really, but like, and I'm not, not saying that as like, he's an idiot, but like, he's super not trusting of anybody. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't believe that he's the sheriff. He's just trying to pawn a ride. Um, and but he turn, as he says that, he's like, look, you can either let me in or, you know, oh, this is murder. If you, yeah, don't, if you don't save me, if you don't save me. And then OB, you're going to have to go back and tell everybody that, you know, John Ruth murdered the sheriff of Red Rock. And he was like, fine get in the car like get in the carriage so now all three all three of these gentlemen plus jennifer jason lee are in this carriage and this is where we get a scene where it's pretty obvious that uh goggins is a race like raging racist he's a former confederate soldier and he was one of the confederate soldiers who kept fighting after the war was over and and uh and and yeah they have he's trying to bait sam jackson and sam jackson's not biting because you know he's sam jackson and he's super cool uh and so and so uh samuel jackson's character was in the he was in the fought for the north he fought for the north uh during the civil war so there is that so he fought alongside some other people that will meet correct he is right just to know well this is where we also get sam jackson's we learned that there has been a bounty on sam jackson's head because he had been literally yeah because he'd been a prisoner of war and he escaped the camp by burning it to the ground. And not only did he burn Confederates, but he also burned um, Union soldiers as well. And he just—he's been on the run ever since. And now, so at this point, the the blizzard has caught up to them. So they get to this little uh, habitat, Mimi's haberdashery, which is where our yes. movie will pretty much take place for yes. the next two and a half hours. Chapter I, three, right? Like it's—we figure. Yeah, we, it's about, about forty-five half, or fifty minutes. Forty-five, in of, yeah, about forty-five. When and we then, get there, so yeah. for the rest of the movie, we are in set in this. Yeah. Now I thought a haberdashery was a hat store. That's what I thought too. Yeah. So is this a different type? Is it a haberdashery? Was there some spelling, or was that an old time? Well, and when the one guy gets when they get there, he's like, "Oh, I get it. It's a joke." Like, oh, like. You know that it because it is the really. only. It's like it's like a trading post in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's pretty much what it is. They have candy and jars, and they have it's all like sorts a general of store. Yeah, like a general store. But yeah. I thought, yeah, it's funny they call it a haberdasher. Right, right, right. And I didn't really understand the reference there, but anyway. Anyway, uh, so all of our characters kind of jump out of the, or John Ruth and um, Daisy. No, sorry, it's not. It's according to the Googles. Uh, it says 
haberdashery, the goods and wares sold by a haberdasher. Well, hang on. Now, what's a haberdasher? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, that's kind of a bullshit definition. A dealer in men's clothing, a dealer in goods for dressmaking or sewing. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah, so you, okay. that's interesting. Yeah, because I, I was in my head I was remembering um, uh, Christopher Guest and Spinal Tap. What would you have done if you hadn't been... Uh, <laughs> he's like, I've been a haberdasher. Haberdasher. You, mm. you have this in an eight. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, also Very another good. another Samuel Jackson performance um, in uh, Kingsman. In yeah. Kingsman, I think that he sends him to the haberdashery to get that top hat because he wants oh, a, a really? top hat for the party. Okay. So he goes to a haberdashery. I've only seen that once. I yeah. So, you know, he, he goes, that's a dope ass top hat. <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie. That's so, good. That was, that was I can't wait for good. that sequel. Yeah, but anyway, so. Uh, so they, they get there and John, you know, they, they meet uh, Bob the Mexican uh, who kind of pops out and he, he he's watching another, the place for Minnie. Who for owns Minnie, this Minnie and store. Sweet Dave. Dave. Sweet Dave, not Sweet Bob, apparently. <laughs> uh, who have gone nor- who've gone over the mountain to go check on Minnie's mom. Uh, and of course, like even John Ruth and uh, Sam Jackson are both kind of like they're skeptical. This is all right. This is a little weird. It's a little strange. Yeah, I will say I do love the premise of this movie. I love the type of movie this is. This whodunit. So I that's felt what like I, I was that's watching. That's what I would call this. Like, I, would, I wouldn't call it a western as right. much as like a whodunit. And this yeah. is like if Quentin Tarantino did Clue. I mean, honestly, that's like exactly they're what all this is. in a house trying yeah. to figure out what's going. Like I just thought I didn't know what to expect. I'm thinking, okay, this is a western. You know, a bunch I of just hate. Don't really get why this needed to be all the hype about it being in seventy millimeter, and the movie is essentially set in a room and a stagecoach. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would agree. Like, I thought the scene, the scenes where you see them like coming through the mountains, sure, and the there, woods, I mean, there that are makes certainly sense. some some exterior shots that look great, but, right? But for the most part, I don't think it needed to be it in it. Obviously, Quentin Tarantino's a film nerd. I think he wanted what? to do. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, what? it's official. He actually just <laughs> said he loves film. It's weird, but I think that he loves film. I think that he wanted. He he loves film, not digital, but film. Yeah, film. that's true. And he loves sure, it. Kodak is like, thank God. He loves he loves the medium as an art form and and shooting on film. And so he wanted to do it in seventy millimeter. Uh, there are some beautiful shots in the beginning so when they're outside and everything looks great and the I, f- flashback we'll be getting to yeah yes. and, and yeah. i agree Ooh. and i agree that it didn't need to be shot in 70 millimeter but what i was before the podcast what i was telling tom was that you know when they're shooting the inside of the cabin that 70 millimeter goes way wider and you're able to see a lot going on in the foreground and background which actually is a testament to like the whodunit nature because right. you see things from different angles and you can see a character in the background while you can see an entire scene happening on the like the left two-thirds of the screen and so again you could frame it and put them closer together i'm not saying you couldn't have done it but i do really think that it tells the story well when you see this character doing that in the background and this over here i, I liked it so yeah when you get into some of the flashbacks and you're getting a different side of each, you know, of your story yeah. from different angles. It is like what it is. It's not 100% needed, but I like it that yeah. it is done. Yeah, I, I like just it. thought it would be more yeah. considering how what a big deal they had. And it's a gimmick. It. I mean, how often do you say, oh, this movie shot on 70 millimeter? I mean, you don't hear that anymore. So it was something for and them I, to sell I honestly it on. didn't like how we saw it in the Roadshow version. Yep. And, and they basically, they took a regular screen and they just chopped off the bottom third of it. And... and there's like this kind of fuzzy bleed on the edges Correct. of the screen, and typically in a movie theater when they adjust, because some, movie, some movies aren't shot as wide as others, right? And they'll pull the curtains in so you don't see that, but you can't pull a curtain up. No, and so they like, didn't center it. 
I mean, it wasn't Wouldn't like it off been centered, centered, but so like, there's a gap on the top. I, and I bottom? didn't think there was a gap. I don't remember. I don't remember. There we being saw in the same. We saw different showings, showings but different same, same theater. theater. I don't remember a gap at the top. I just remember a gap at the bottom. Yeah, I remember. There was a gap at the bottom for me. Yeah, and I think that was well, because that's because you went to a went to moronic theater. Yeah, I the only asshole. place in town showing it. Yeah, but I think that um, I don't think that was the proper way to present that. I don't, honestly, I centered think, it. I think it might have been because I think uh, if you sent one, well, hang on, if you center it, then you're gonna have that fuzzy at the top and bottom. At least now you don't have it at the top. Right. So like I I I, I don't fuzzy. Like I don't they, understand. They, like it, it was it, like it the, doesn't have a crisp cut off. When where where the image ends, like it just it kind, it kind of like felt like it's not super fuzzy, but there's just like a little. It's not just this hard line, right? Of you like, don't have a clean cut. Yeah, huh. yeah, and it's, uh, you know huh, that's weird. I don't understand that, but yeah, it's whatever. Know, well, whatever. Uh, so all of our our characters kind of so John and Daisy are trying to get into the haberdashery and they've they boarded it up so we're gonna kick it open <laughs> yeah. what you gotta this kick is a running it open. thing and there's a reason that we'll find out why you have to kick it open correct but uh but yeah there you hear yelling from inside you gotta kick it open so and they you see uh tim roth is playing chess with bruce stern's character correct and then you've got um, um uh, michael madsen kind of sitting by himself yeah and then you've got is there somebody else Bob the Mexican's outside, Bob the Mexican's handling, outside handling the horses. OB's doing horse stuff. Yeah, and then so they all kind of walk in, and you know he kind of says what's going on, and he's you know trying to figure out who everybody is. He walks over to drink some coffee. This is like and it's cool. We'll, we'll come to find out like why everyone's there because that's the question. You're like, well, what are all these people? What's their story? Why are right. there such a mix mash of, of people? And it, it just seems weird. And like, why are they there? But it looks very lived in. Like they've been there for days. You know, they're correct. They're all set up the way that you know, right, like they're right, all right. at home. And so it, there's there's you know Tarantino dialogue galore. Oh, in yeah. this. Um, and Again, uh, this is a three hour movie taking place in one room. Right. So right. 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 There's a lot of talking. That's. Uh, so you know there there's just a bunch of interactions so uh kurt russell goes to each individual person and is like who are you why are you here who are you know so we're getting some stories as to who these people are and why they're here obviously the the one that they try to make you focus on is joe gage played by michael madsen who's kind of sitting there and he's like you know what are you doing here he's like oh i'm going home to see my mom for christmas and he's just like you don't look like the mom type, you know, <laughs> so he's going back and forth. So it, and Kurt Russell knows something is up. He knows yeah. that something yeah. is amiss in this place. Well, he also is very paranoid because he has a $10,000 bounty Correct. handcuffed to him. Right. So, and people start recognizing her. Like they're like, that's Daisy, whatever her name is. Domergue. And he's just like, yep. And I'm taking her to Red Rock and she's going to hang. That's the scene you get in the trailer where he's like, you know, this is the deal. And she kind of like grabs her neck. And I, you know, it's one of those things where I for I Jennifer Jason Lee is one of those actresses that I remember being around all the time. And then well, just yeah, disappeared. I, seen, I mean, what what was the last thing she did? Because I haven't heard that I name in a decade. I don't remember. I'm not saying she hasn't done anything in a decade, but I have not heard that name in a film. But that's the Tarantino way. You know, like yeah. he ha- he saved John Travolta's career. Yeah, at one then, point, and, and then, then he pissed it away again. Yeah, right. And I think honestly, I think he's he's saved Kurt Russell's career. Uh, not to say that um, Kurt Russell was floundering, but he was just. Oh, kinda... I forgot she was the voice in Anim- Animalicia, Animalisa. Oh, what's that? The new no, the it's the new uh, it's the animated movie from Charlie Kaufman. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh. interesting. Huh. All but, right. So yeah, but, but like. He Tarantino had a knack for. I mean, like I said, he saved. Like John Travolta was done, and then he did Pulp Fiction, and he was like, "Oh yeah, John Travolta's back." And I think Kurt Russell, who I don't think like was flounder. Like I said, he wasn't floundering. He wasn't doing like bad movies. Um, 
he just wasn't doing movies. Like no, he just he kind of he kind of stepped money. away. He's Kurt yeah. Russell. He doesn't need to work. You know. He's but older. I think he's the new Travolta for Tarantino. Like I think he he was in the Death Proof. He was in he's in this. He was in another one, wasn't he? He wasn't in Django. No. Was he? Does he have a bit part? I, don't, in I think I think the thing is that Fast Tarant- and Furious. You know. Tarantino has his cast of characters. You know. Yeah. He's, he's, and. Uh, he likes to work with the same people, and Tarantino has a great eye for actors. Like he knows, he writes these roles, and he knows who would be great. And he he can take actors, whether they're you know the hottest thing around or they were the hottest thing around twenty years ago. And in his movies, they are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. I I don't I can't really think of a movie, you know, where I go, yeah, that person wasn't that great in that Tarantino Ving movie. Rames. Like, like Ving Rhames to me is the one that stands oh, out. Like it's amazing. But I mean, he's not. He's great in Pulp Fiction. But it, he doesn't do anything that's like groundbreaking i think he's he wrote to his strength yeah yes, like like exactly it, it, it doesn't matter but have you ever said that person just sucked in a pool like in a no Tarant- i mean he yeah. just i think tarantino has an amazing he has a love of film and a love for the art and uh he just has an eye for casting and talent right. and uh when you're in a, a tarantino movie i mean jamie fox jamie fox is hit or miss he's done some decent movies um i love collateral that's one of my favorite movies of all time with jamie fox right and, and one of my favorite Tom Cruise roles. And so like, but I think he's very hit or miss. Jamie Foxx has done some stinkers too, but Django, that was amazing. And I think Will Smith is stupid for turning that down. I'm not saying he would have been as good, but he's stupid for turning that role down because look at the movies Will Smith has made and yeah. look at how great Django was, but I'm happy he did because <laughs> I, I think Jamie Foxx I'm, I've always been interested to know like, who that character becomes as Will. Like, if Will Smith plays yeah. that character, is that character as bad as... Wookie-wah, wookie-wookie-wah-wah. I, I, think, I think the movie would have been better with Will Smith. I you do, too? I, th- I, do I, yeah, well. and the, I honestly uh, do as well. And the, I, the, I no, because here's what you're missing okay. out. Here's what you're missing out on with Will Smith. With Will Smith, Tarantino's great about bringing actors to roles that have baggage, right? And sometimes that baggage plays to their strengths, like Ving Rhames, mm-hmm. and sometimes that baggage is counterintuitive, like John Travolta. Right. So we knew John Travolta as Vinny Barbarino and Grease, and then all of a sudden he's playing this badass Assassin, hitman, yeah. and, and it like it's jarring. And so I think uh, as good as Jamie Foxx was in Django, and this, this isn't a shot against Jamie Foxx in the role, because he was great, but I think... Jamie Foxx brings a different kind of baggage to the role mm-hmm. and I think the Will Smith baggage would have been he's the black guy white people like he's the black guy white people aren't scared of you know and now what I mean? he's yeah. killing white folks and 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 so like to, yeah, to see, see that that, that hmm. anger and rage coming from the fresh prince of bel-air right coming from men in black coming from independence day like i think hmm. i can see that that th- would have been interesting that w- it, it adds a whole new sub subtext that J- that jamie fox quite frankly can't bring because that's not the that's not the career that he's built for himself right, right. he's not parents just don't understand and nightmare on elm street right or nightmare on my street right you know and so will smith has always been like because he came up at a different time, yeah. And so, yeah. And so this isn't a shot against Will Smith, but Will Smith was packaged as like, I'm a black guy and I'm hip and cool, but I'm not so hip and cool that I'm gonna scare your parents. <laughs> I'm not. And, I'm not singing about killing cops, right? Yeah. And so because of that, like to see him in a in a role like Django, it it would have been that's just unbridled. It would have been a different statement to see mm. somebody that has been, su- I mean, such a safe. 
Yeah. I'm making air yeah, quotes. That's true. Safe black guy. That's an interesting to do something so yeah. aggressive against the grain ag- and against the grain. I, yeah. I think I think it would have made yeah. that movie even more incendiary, yeah. and I mean that in a good way. Right. No. Than yeah. It, than it already yeah. was. Yeah. Well, Just, that's a good point. And, I never thought about that. That's a great point. Well, and like we said, when. Quinn Tarantino wants to cast you. There's a reason, and he has an eye for it. So I have to trust his instincts that it would have been good. Yeah, but I did. Well, love, I think he's. I think yeah. Tarantino even said he's like, I wrote that for Will Smith. Like I wanted Will Smith from yeah. the get, yeah. and I, for whatever reason, yeah. Will Smith just didn't do it. So he's going. You know, back to this one. He's going from person to person, and we start learn that Bruce Dern uh, is this old guy who's sitting there, just an old uh, Confederate general. Um, but the, they're they're trying to get you to focus on. Um, Joe Gage this entire time so while all of this is going on we also flash back into the barn where uh, Sam Jackson and uh, Bob the Mexican are kind of having their standoff uh, so to speak where he's kind of calling he's not it, it, it was very reminiscent of the scene in Inglorious Bastards where um, Christoph Waltz has that sit down with the with the family about the the, the Jews hiding out underneath the floorboards just kind of super intense, not really like accusing him, but just being like, look, man, something's not right. Yeah. I will say, so Samuel Jackson's character is extremely bright and yes. extremely just good at everything that he does. Like this is, this may be one of my favorite Samuel Jackson roles I've ever seen him in. I love this character. It is very reminiscent of Jules. It's so, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the, the only other thing one. I will say. Yeah. Jules is awesome. Jules is one bad mofo. Yes. You know what I mean? He yeah. is awesome. But man, or, I loved him in this role. And, yeah. We, we should probably check the, the, uh, the lineage of Jules because so that's Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Tarantino. Yes. Well, that's the deal is like the, the, there's always these, these, th- rumors or just you know uh, theories that there is a tarantino verse tarantino verse where like jewels well they're smoking red apple tobacco correct so uh, but like django is somehow related to jewels as well like it's all Hmm. like all of these characters are somehow related or or maybe no 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 just theories but i mean like there's factors like this character that he plays in this is Jules like he's he has all Jules is a is a very smart man and he's yeah. cool and I don't he's know. chill he's, he is not as angry as Jules was like Jules I came up in a different time though yeah, yeah. I'm just you saying know? like I Jules was just like he had that wide eyed like he was just mad like in, Django in fiction yeah I mean I can no. see, yeah I mean but but still like I didn't see him as like I didn't think he was the same as as Samuel Jackson was in Django and I didn't think he was the same as Pulp Fiction like to me this seemed original but I just it was one of my favorite things I've ever seen him yeah, I thought this great. character he was the star of this movie to me well, he's and the star of this movie anyway, yeah. well and it's hard not we to make, make Jules comparisons with the speech that he's going to give yeah. here right right with, right with, when he's talking Mex- to Bob the Mexican when he, yeah and he did it, so yeah he's, just, he's pretty much calling him a lot like he's asking all these questions because he's like look something doesn't sit right with me and Bob, the Mexican's like, are you calling me a liar? He's like, no, I'm not calling you I didn't. A liar. I, he's I, like, I didn't, I didn't call, call you a liar. Like, yeah. I didn't call you one yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's so well written. I, I love the dialogue. This might be this. one of my favorite. Like, you know, we talk about Blair Witch or Paranormal Activity or things like that where we see it and then we, you know, we keep thinking about it. Yeah. I kept oh, yeah. thinking about, about this, this for since I've seen it. And I was yeah. like, this might be my favorite thing he's written. Like I, I love he, this movie. I think he's getting better every movie. Seriously, yeah, and that's just, and he was good five movies ago. You know what I mean? Like he is just. It's, he's evolved. He's it, evolving it, as a filmmaker, he, which is weird. You'd think that like you know after you reach like I don't know your sixth or seventh movie, 
you're kind of done. That have all been like critically you, you, right. Well, that's why he's been saying that he's doing ten and, 10 he's, and done. he's done. Yeah, which I'll, okay. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I'll believe Kevin it. Kevin Smith was retiring. Films in his blood. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't see him being like I'm done making movies. I now. could I could see like I could see where you if you run out of ideas, like if you don't want to do like if it, you know Kevin Smith went out and did Cop Out. And he was like, you know, I don't have any, I don't have anything going on right now, but I still like to direct. Right. And he did cop out, and he was like, this is awful. I've made a mistake. So I, I can see where like if Tarantino would be the kind of guy that's kind of says, I don't have an original idea right now. I'm just gonna stop until. Well, I, have I can one. see him taking a pause. I just can't. I mean, he's not that old. What is he like fifty? Fifty something. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't see him just no, ceasing I don't to make films. Kill Bill three. I don't think yeah. he will either. Yeah. Uh, so now we're inside, and now. Bob the Mexican and uh, Warren are now coming inside as well. And I'm trying to think. So Kurt Russell sends the driver outside to dump all their guns into a well. Yeah, he takes all the guns and he drops them. I like that, that he's (laughs) like, okay, I've got this bounty. Uh, We're all going to be here together. You're going to have to hand over your guns. So he like disassembles them all into a bucket. (laughs) Throws them in. And he he sends. Throws them in the outhouse. Yeah. And is it OB? OB, yeah. yeah. He sends out there in this (laughs) blizzard that is like, you know, the door is flying open. It's a crazy blizzard. He sends them outside and. Obi almost dies. Yeah, he's like, he I'm comes not, back don't in. ever ask me to do yeah, that again. Yeah, it is a really funny scene, right. you know, and because Kurt Russell this whole time, John Ruth, this character is just very in Ruthless. charge. He is in charge and he tells everybody what's going on. Like, like what right does he have over anyone else? But his character just tells everyone how it's going to be, what's going to happen. And so I think it's funny that he always, he's calling throughout the movie. He's calling Samuel Jackson and what's, no, what's the sheriff? Walter Guggen, Goggins. Walton Goggins. <laughs> Mannix. Well, it's his Mannix. 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 Chris. Chris yeah, Mannix. Chris, yeah. He's, he's to calling them freeloaders the whole time, which is true. You know, <laughs> yeah, he picked them up right. outside. With, you know, you freeloaders, he's telling them, you're going to go help stack these bodies over here, and you're going to do that. I just love how he's handing out orders right, and right, right. calling them freeloaders. He does kind of, he takes charge almost yeah. immediately. So, you know, the night is progressive. Like, look, we're going to stay here until the storm stops. As soon as this thing's done, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. But the entire time, he keeps saying, I know. Somebody, of, somebody in here, at least one of you, yeah, is is working, working with her. Is working with like, Dombergu. I, you know it. I know it. And we're just gonna get through these next two days. If we get through them alive, great. Yeah. If not, we are like she's getting to Red Rock one way or the other. Yeah. So then we get our our big, and I think this is why you're. It's hard not to make comparisons with Jules, is because you get this big speech. Yes. From Samuel L. Jackson's Correct. character, where he goes over. And he brings food to Smithers, who's the Confederate general. Right. And, oh, man. And talks this about speech. how Samuel Jackson's character has been living in Wyoming. And because there's been this huge bounty on his head, people keep coming to Wyoming looking to kill him. Right. And Smithers' son was one of those people. Well, they also, they, they, is this where he kind of reveals that Smithers, like, had a, ca- he captured an entire. Africa, like black northern troop of soldiers, like regiment, and, and then, then just killed kills them all. them all because he didn't want the trouble of Correct. taking them prisoner. Right, right. Yeah. And his son was involved with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so his, uh, and so he places a gun next to Smithers and basically starts telling them the story of when he, of how he just, killed his son. Yeah, and it is like, <laughs> wow. There, are, there are times when Sam Jackson is like snakes on a plane. Yeah. Or, you know, even in the Avengers a little bit. Yeah. 
And then well, you get is, yeah, this, this is Sam, actor then Sam, you get Jackson. This Sam Jackson. This is yeah. not paycheck Sam and Jackson. And you forget. You're just like, holy crap. Yeah. You know, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson is a t- terrific actor. Absolutely. Yeah. He is Absolutely. one of the best out there. And yeah, he's done some paycheck roles, but you're reminded of him in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I mean, he's a character actor, so he's yeah. going to, you know, and even, but even his paycheck roles have been pretty he's good. He's great as Nick Fury. Yeah, I mean, oh, and, yeah, no, and, and, just, and he requi- doesn't need chops. And, he, and when you say paycheck, it sounds like he's phoning it in on those roles, and he's no, not. No, no. Like, he he does exactly what he needs yeah, to do correct. in those roles. It's yeah. not like, he's not he like Bruce never, Willis. I would say it's not like a Bruce Willis no, paycheck. No, right? I don't mean, no, no, just he's got to, he's got to make money too, you know, and, and yeah. uh, but no, he's a great actor, and, and really everything he does, he, he at least is there showing up and giving correct. 100%, not Right, so in this, in this speech, he's kind of saying like, look, I took all of your son's clothes. I made him, you know, walk in front of me in this knee-deep snow for two hours hours. until he collapses. Right. And then just as he was about ready to give up, I made him come back to me and I... He wanted a blanket. He wanted a blanket. And he would do just about anything to get the blanket. So he told him he would trade him a blanket for something to do with his big black Johnson. Yes. And he did. And he goes into... part of the bargain. He goes into detail about the the blowjob. Yeah. Yeah. Smithers' son did... His part of the bargain. More than once, from what what he's, yeah. what he's implying. Yeah. Um, he did everything and anything that he asked him to do. Correct. Or, and know. then he didn't give it to him. He didn't... Well, he gave it to him. Well, yeah. But he didn't give him a <laughs> didn't blank, give him didn't the blanket. Give him the blanket. And then ends up... <laughs> and then he kills. And, and then, then he, he kills. And yeah. then he kills him. And at the, at the climax of yeah. the story, mm-hmm. pun intended, <laughs> I see what uh, Smithers finally get, is so outraged, he grabs for the gun, and then... Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson shoots him. S- Correct. And this is, our, this is our first taste of, quote-unquote, the Tarantino violence. Yeah. Like, there has been no violence. Now, I, well, I mean, there's been punches to Don Margu's face. Right, but I mean, but, nothing... But nothing... Like over the top in terms of graphic, but this, blood and gore. this right. wasn't either. You're, you're th- like, what's no, coming wait, wait, up what, is the, the Quentin Tarantino violence. Yeah. Now the Bruce Dern gets a few shots. I, and mean, he's the, still I alive. mean the squib, like the squibs, like the big old splashes yeah. of blood. I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, he shoots him and he still is alive and up for a little bit, you know. But the next one, yeah. oh, is the, the one, Tarantino oh, violence. Mean, mean Bob Max the Mexican. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is where the intermission falls. A lot of people listening to this might not have seen the Roadshow version. So if you're wondering when the intermission lands, it's it, here. It, right when he shoots him dead, like right. that's kind of like it's like pff, intermission. Correct. Cool. So and then we pick back up and then we get this. Do we know who did the voiceover? <coughs> it sounded like Quentin Tarantino. That's what I thought. I, I thought it was Quentin Tarantino too. But I wasn't because it didn't sound quite like him. Right. But no, I, I I agree with you 100% because I was listening to it and I'm like, well, it doesn't have that weird Tarantino flair to it. Yeah. It, it actually sounded pretty cool, but I'm like. Yeah. He was trying to yeah. play it straight. I according, think he was really. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, it's which we know the internet is never Can wrong. Can never be wrong. That it, the narrator is Tarantino. Okay. Okay. I didn't like when we come back, all of a sudden this film there's has a, a whole narrator. Other, well, there's a whole other part of the story that they just kind of drop us into. Yeah, but I just, I, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't like getting introduced to a narrator, so you know, an hour and a half into a movie. Yeah, I, I just it, so we never heard him in the beginning. Uh, uh-uh. uh, no, there's nothing. Huh? It just felt li- it there must felt have been lazy. A, there, well, yeah. Well, either that or there was a reason where he felt that yeah, he didn't know how else to tell the worked, backstory, right. and so he just added a voiceover. No, which, that's true. I'm I sorry, guess that, that is no. You're that right. That feels yeah. lazy to me. It does feel a little. Like, it, did, I, it, it did feel a little bit weird. Yeah, unless something got cut where it was a narrator something got in the very cut beginning. in a three and a half hour movie. <laughs> it can happen. I mean, it was actually a four and a half hour. Movie. Yeah, you know, I mean, no, no offense, but yeah. when you're when your film's clocking in over three hours, you can't be yeah. like, oh, I was. At I'm time, just saying, I had time restraints. No, I'm just saying maybe there was a narrator in the beginning and he didn't like it, but it was already filmed with the premise of a narrator and then. I'm just theorizing. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, so I, I just don't think. I think he's got 
you know final cut. Like I he think has he gets to. to do whatever he wants. Yeah, I'm sure I, the, the wine scenes are like, yeah, man, that's oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, that brings us to chapter four. Correct. Domergu's got a secret. Domergu's got Ooh. a secret. So they're sitting there eating some stew, and we see in the back, like this is part of the voiceover where we see somebody, we see a hand, see a leather, glove. a leather glove, pour poison. Uh, into, into the coffee. into the coffee, the coffee that everybody has been drinking this right. entire the time. Communal coffee, yeah. correct. So I don't remember why. I love it when uh, Kurt Russell drinks the coffee that Bob the Mexican made, and it's just terrible, and he spits it out <laughs> everywhere. Like there's just some great acting and scenes. From, He's uh, that's you know, the thing is like ah, Kurt Russell's so good. He's so good. Spit take that's just awesome yeah. that he just and then he goes and makes his own right. coffee. Um, but why were I don't remember why Kurt Russell and Obi were outside because they come back in and then they go to drink some coffee. Or were they just kind of milling around? I think they were just milling around at this point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they, you know, they both kind of take these cups of coffee, and like I'm watching it, and I was like, oh no, like Obi's going to drink it, and then like Kurt Russell's going to do like the takes where he's like, uh, uh. Yeah, I uh, thought we were going to uh, play that game too, yeah. and we don't. We don't. <laughs> he just starts drinking. Yeah, he started. Uh, he's do, it's little sips. So I was like, okay, maybe he's taking little like sips, so it's not going to be enough. And this is the part where I'm like, oh crap, what what is this going to do? What, right, what's, right. How is this going to go and down? And they almost they almost make you forget that it's a thing. Right. Like they keep doing these different takes, and they there's a conversation between. It's not fast acting. It's poison, not is fast what you acting mean. poison. It's so they're sit they're standing there and they're they're having this conversation. Like he, I'm trying to think like. Jennifer Jason Lee says something, and of course Kurt Russell just straight up throws his stew into the in her into face. her face, yeah, and then he starts to vomit blood. Now grossly, this is, this is the part where Chris Maddox calls the letter out, and she's laughing at him. Oh, so, is that what it is? So, yeah. Okay, so Chris okay, Maddox okay. learns is, about is, the is like Lincoln letter. Yeah, he hears the story of the Lincoln letter, and he's like, "And you believe that?" He's right. like, "No, way. such bull!" He's like, like "This is total crap." There's no way Lincoln's writing this guy a letter. He, you know, and and and. Uh, John Ruth asks is Samuel this, L. Jackson, "Is that is it did true? you make all that up?" And he goes, "Of course I he's did. Like, of yeah. course I made it up." And he's like, "It." He's like, he goes, "Look I, at me. Like, do you look at look at who I am? Yeah. Like, if I have this way to diffuse a situation, I'm gonna take it. Right. If I can save my life, yeah. the and he, entire and time, he says it got me on that stage. It coach, got me on the stagecoach. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and you know, to, up to this point, I mean, uh, John Ruth hasn't really been racist. I mean, you know, he it seems skeptical of everyone. I mean, but, he's be, he's been racist by today's standards. Yeah. 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 But, but not at the but time. But not by the, the yeah. Code right. Of the time. And so, he's right. pretty open. Well, actually, I even I don't think that's true. Like every time she says the n word, he's like, "Hey, knock it off." You know, like he's kind of he always he's been sticking up for Sam Jackson. I don't think he's generally racist at all. Doesn't he say it a couple times? I don't know. I think he does, but it's more like in reference to other people saying saying. it. It's not him calling somebody that. Correct. So, like at this point, then he's like, "Oh, I guess you really can't trust you people," and you start to see this come out where we haven't seen that character. I also think he's hard, like he's crushed, like this thing that he thought was a thing is not a thing. They were friends. They were forming a friendship, and he find and now he feels like it's all based on a lie. Well, and. Samuel Jackson's character is the only one John Ruth really trusts. At this yeah, point. well, he pretty much he's says the one he's with like, the "I'll protect still. your eight thousand. Like, because he's got bounties uh, on these other guys. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "You protect. I'll protect your eight thousand. You protect my ten. We'll get to but Red Rock and we'll call it a day." You and just, they was like, "Okay." You just took the one person that he trusts to have a gun with him and watch every watches back, and he's been lying to him about something. So that's a big. That's so a big I thought deal. this was going to be a buddy cop movie. Like that's right. where I thought we were going with this. We're not. 
That's well, not you have we to, do. You have to well, have two people for it yeah. to be a buddy cop movie. Well, we kind of end up. Kind of end up that way. Yeah. Well, I'm just <laughs> saying. Not what but, the cops he thought. But uh, <laughs> right. yeah, so so he starts vomiting. Like he, it's just one quick like splurt of blood across the table. <laughs> it's a projectile vomit yeah. of internal organs. And then and OB in the corner starts hurling. Blood. Starts doing the same thing. Yeah, and, and like he's he, looking at the coffee, and he's like, oh. And he, he realizes what's happened. Yeah. Now, doesn't uh, Manix go to take a he sip? Was, he just he's about like to about to, and, and then like, as they start doing that, he was like, "Yeah." And I think yeah. I think <laughs> like, even Daisy looks at the cup or something, right. like, And kind of gives it, you know, like she's watching him, and yeah. he just throws. Yeah, he it. throws yeah. it. Has nothing to do with it. So yeah. there's a it's, it's it's pretty grotesque. Well, scene. then he like vomits all. Then her and they're, him and Dominic start wrestling. Oh, yeah. and he vomits in her face, yeah, right all, face. all over her it's, face. Yeah. And like, it's not just blood at this point. Like now, it's looking like entrails oh, are yeah. coming it's out like as well. Chunks of yeah. his organs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you're, or it could be the stew that he ate. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Either gross. way, it's, anyway, gross. it's gross. And yeah. then she ends up shooting him with his own gun. Like, and, like yeah. she gets his gun away. Right. And he's like, he has some line just in typical Kurt Russell fashion where he's got like one final line. And then she shoots him. And yeah. Like when she shoots him, and I was like, "Oh man!" Right. Like I was hoping to it's get a cool character. Like I was kind of hoping we'll get to that. We'll get when we get yeah. to that, that part. So I, there at, was, at this point, Samuel Jackson and Mannix force everybody against the wall. No, Sam Jackson puts everybody against the wall, and then he calls Maddox back, and he was like, "Why are you trusting me?" Because he's like, and "He you was were like, about to drink that. You coffee. were about to drink that coffee, right. so, yeah. so I know you didn't poison." So it. even though they have this this just terrible relationship he knows that he isn't the one that poisoned it right it has to be one of the, one other, of the other guys so, so, so we should also say that maddox is also wearing the dead general's coat at this point yeah like he's like that's a pretty nice coat so he takes it and he's wearing this yeah. big gray it's yeah. just one of those funny like, scenes where he's like gonna be warm oh, yeah. Yeah. right he's not so gonna use it anymore they start sam jackson starts to lay out his theory on what has happened yeah, so this is yeah. where i mean yeah just to cut to the chase he breaks it down he you see how smart this character is right and this whole time he's been gathering clues <laughs> he's not and as evidence. smart as we think apparently because he misses something kind of large literally and figuratively a little bit oh well yeah, yeah. it's pretty smart i mean no he's, he's pretty, smart he's, that he figures out so yeah. he, he's going over to like he's like look he's like, i've I had know many i've you know, he also he has this really good speech about the stew, right. where he's yeah. like, you know, I've had this kind of stew since, and I, it never changes. When and someone like, makes yeah, stew. The stew over here, that's the right stew. So she couldn't have left that long ago. A week ago, this is mini stew, and right. many would never hire a Mexican. Correct. Well, he's like, that, I mean, this Terrence- to me, that is the. That's the speech. Yeah. Like where he's talking about the sign above the bar. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. This is, a, again, a testament to Tarantino's writing. He obviously is known as a writer. He writes this amazing dialogue. I just enjoyed this writing yeah, so, so much. Good. And yeah, the, the whole thing about the sign where it said, No Mexicans, we don't welcome, no dogs. No Mexicans or dogs. And then he said, The only reason she took that <laughs> sign down, she started letting dogs in. Right. I, I mean, that writing is just. So immediately. So he said, He delivers like, He's like, Do you know why she took that line down? And Bob the Mexican goes, is like, No. She started letting dogs in. Blam! And, and like he yeah. shoots Bob dead. But he he takes his two. He <laughs> shoots Bob, but then he takes his two guns, <laughs> and points them bl- at his head, literally and blows his face off. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the like that's, the yeah. Tarantino violence. That, right now there. we're off to the races. Yeah, yeah. With the, the Tarantino. because then he is instantly shot in the junk from below. Correct. Because we see that there's someone hiding under the floorboard. Which when I saw this name in the credits, and I was like, who? Where is this guy going to? I know. Up? I kept waiting. Like, when's he going to pop up? Well, yeah, so, when they cast him too. I've been. I didn't even know he was casted. casted. Yeah, I they had no idea. It. I'm like, oh, because he was uh, like, this is the eighth guy there or whatever oh, okay and so okay. i'm like oh that's weird and this whole time i'm like is he one of these guys with a big beard or so something i thought I just he don't... was the son and then they showed the son's junk and i was like that's not that's not right channing yeah. tatum. you know channing yeah. tatum's because you yeah. recognize his junk yeah. i saw magic mike but i was yeah. like i don't think channing tatum would be like yeah i'll put my <laughs> just, junk on screen right like that's yes, not at this that's, point not at this point yeah, yeah. 
So there's a giant gun I read an, inter- an article where they were talking about when he when Quentin Tarantino wrote that scene that they were worried which, about which scene? the the blowjob scene. Oh yeah. About like would they be able to find an actor willing to do the scene, you know? And yeah. uh and they said that they were with they were it was like a, at a Screen Actors Guild meeting and with a bunch of actors that weren't that well, you know, not name sure, actors. Sure. And they were like, here's the scene, you know, would you audition for it? By the way, it's a Quentin Tarantino film. And there's this long pause and then like slowly hands start going up like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It gets a Quentin Tarantino Yeah, if I get a Tarantino credit on my resume. <laughs> uh, so at this point we get a giant gun battle. Um, and I feel bad for Tim. If I were Tim Roth, I would try to stop doing Tarantino movies because you, you get shot in the gut. Yeah, every time. Unless you're and a waiter, and it's yeah, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> I forget about that. But he only did one scene. Yeah, he yeah, he, he did, was he off did doing the last room, right? Yeah, I th- I think he what's uh Tarantino. Oh wait, did, no, no, I'm sorry. Buscemi was the waiter. Tim Roth was the guy. Was he Honey robbed Bunny the? And, and he robbed the. He was robbing the diner. diner. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking Buscemi was. The, was I was thinking four four rooms. Oh, okay. But yeah, <laughs> so everybody is getting shot at this point. Um, except for Michael Madsen. No gun. I got no gun. Which, which I thought is, was great. Which is great that yeah. he did. Yeah. I. Th- this is one thing they keep hearkening back to, is how how law abiding the Wild West <laughs> was when it comes to like. You know, you you, you mean like you, the unspoken law? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was I, amazed. I, if how you notice, they... he didn't have a gun, and he turned his back to him. Correct. So he was like, "You're going to shoot me unarmed, yeah. and it's going to be in the back. Yeah. That's how you're going to have to do this." Right. But and, like, and he the wouldn't whole, do it. Wouldn't do it. The whole Samuel Jackson thing, shooting Bruce Dern's character. Like yeah. he put the gun there, and he did not do anything until he threatened his life. Well, and, then, and that's kind of a, a callback to the movie Shane. There's it a is famous scene with. Yeah. Uh, um, you're you're doing this. The, Dan's not here, so I can't help. Oh, him. what's his name? The the guy that played Curly in the City Slicker movies. I'm oh, t- Jack Plants. Jack Plants. Yeah, where you know where he's like throws the gun on the ground. And he's like, you know, pick it up. Yeah, you know, and, fin- sure. and finally, like Back the, to the Future Part Three. Yeah, and finally yeah. the guy goes to, to pick up the gun and he shoots him before he yeah. can even touch <laughs> it. And he's like, you saw him. Yeah, he, went he, good he, for right. he had a gun. Yeah, but like I love that how they're all very law-abiding and following this stuff yeah. you know and so he's so even though um the sheriff uh chris mannix he's like he hates this character and he says i knew it was joe gage the whole time <laughs> yeah. but like still joe gage his theory it must have been joe gage because he's the ugliest, he's the ugliest. Yeah, yeah, I love, yeah yeah i love that how i loved uh, how they kept calling that it was out, pretty good know? yeah yeah and so, that's the thing is like i like the Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was saying this brings us to chapter five. Correct. The four passengers. The four so passengers. now we get our backstory. I love this. Yeah. So now they go back and you find out why they're actually all at right. Mays. So and it turns out that uh, Zoe Bell, who again, she's actually you actually know her more than you think you do. She was uh, she was um, Uma Thurman's stunt double in Kill Bill one and two. She was uh, so she played herself in Death Proof. Um, but she's kind of like she's always going to be around in Tarantino stuff. Like Tarantino is a big fan of hers. Yeah, she did a uh, Ed Brubaker who wrote comic books forever. He did a thing, a movie called Angel of Death or something, and she's in that. It's not bad. So she's like the one that's jumping around on the stagecoach, which and- is who she like in anything that you see her in. That's who she is. Like she's always bouncing around. Like the yeah. scene in Death Proof where she's telling about the, the story about. Uh, taking a picture and she's like just a little father a little father you yeah. know, she's like you know all she's kinds very of, chipper she's yeah, very she's chipper very, yeah. yeah um so they we learn that there's an old man inside this is the flashback so we don't know anything about minis yet yeah there's an old man inside minis that wants to get out of there but these four passengers 
are coming here for whatever reason. I love the scene of them getting off the stagecoach with their boots. Correct. I just, again, Quentin Tarantino, this is, again, the visual, the cinematic style. I just thought it was so cool to see. You don't see who these people are. Right. You know, you know it's going to be some of the characters, but you know, Correct. you just see each different boot, and uh, I just really thought that was right. I guess we should impact. we should go back and say that during before we get to the flashback that uh, Sam Jackson is kind of talking about minis, and he's like, "This is Sweet Dave's chair," right? And like, if this they is Sweet went, Dave's coat, this is Sweet Dave's coat, this is Sweet Dave's chair, it wouldn't be here. If, if, none of this would be yeah. here if they went. So he starts pulling back these pieces, and there's a giant. He blood, knew it. He pulls yeah. up the coat. Right. And there's, there's a, big a blood giant bloodstain. Yeah. So and then he kills Bob the Mexican. And right. All that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we are we're introduced to all these characters. So we see Tim Roth. We see Michael Madsen. We see Channing Tatum. Channing. Well, we see Bob the Mexican, and, and then, then we see a fourth, see a fourth guy, guy, and that's it's Channing Tatum playing Jody. Playing Jody. So you know they kind of go in, and they're all being really chill. Like they're just kind of they're making conversation with it. This is where we see Minnie and we meet Sweet Dave and we realize that uh, Bruce Dern is there. Like Bruce Dern is the old man that's been there this entire time. Yeah. And they, you know, they, they start talking and then all of a sudden I think Channing Tatum kind of makes a move to his pistol and then all hell breaks loose. They basically they kill, kill everybody. Everybody except Bruce Dern's except Bruce, character. Right. And they basically make a deal with him that they're like, look, you it, keep your mouth shut. You're going to keep your mouth shut. And like, and he's like, I don't care about you. I don't care <laughs> about the people coming in here. He's right. like, if I live, whatever. Right. I just, he's like, he, they lay their plan out. So it, because they, they like the idea of him being there because they feel that it makes it look more real. Right. Because he's clearly not part of their group. Correct. Like, there's no way this guy could be this part old of, man is part yeah. of this group so they uh they, they lay it all out for for us it turns out that channing tatum is the brother of uh jennifer jason lee of daisy and they know that they're going to come this way they're going to kill kurt russell and they're going to take daisy with them and they're going to go away they're going to escape um, during the gun battle too is when they shoot the they end up shooting the lock off the door of, right which is why which is why the <laughs> door has well, yeah the door. this is why yeah this is where it's all you see all the staging like you said they they leave Brewster in there and they say you'll you might get out of this alive and right and do all that but yeah they, they shoot the lock off and so that's why they have to nail the board to the door correct and then they there's other they stuff clean too. everything up they're cleaning up they, so they kill sort many, of, well they, they, there's another thing that we kind of left out where um. Sam Jackson kind of walks in and he looks down into like one of the crevices of the the and board. He sees like a little piece of little jelly bean. Yeah. And he looks up and there's a, a one like what is pretty obvious that there's something missing. There's a right. vase missing that was yeah. full of candy. So during the shootout, the, when there's, there's there's a girl picking up a piece of the, this vase and they shoot her and that blows up the cool visual thing. Yeah, right. the candy, and candy goes everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So so they they stage the place. They hide guns underneath the tables and stuff. Right, and then Channing Tatum and then Channing Tatum goes down and hides underneath the, the in the basement in the basement. And then we which brings us to chapter six, which which is the opening. The I think the end of chapter five is the, is, is Kurt is Russell when they arrive on the door. Yeah, right. And then that brings us to chapter six, Black Man, White Hell. <laughs> yeah. So. Now here we are. Um, <laughs> Warren's in, uh, uh, Warren has been shot in the balls. Been shot in the balls. He's in bed in pain. Right. Manix is still alive somehow. Yeah. He, well, yeah. he took a shot to the leg, but he's all right. Like he's yeah. not but dead he's yet. Got a gun on Domergu. Right. And Tim Roth is still alive. Tim Roth is still alive. And so is Once again, shot in the stomach. <laughs> Golly. And so is Joe just Gage. gut shots. <laughs> yeah. Feel bad for Tim Roth. So they kind of say, you know, hey, you in the you in the basement. They come out. They get. They basically say, if you don't come out of the basement, we're gonna kill your sister. Correct. So or something like we're gonna blow his bitch's head off. And then as I soon as he pops his head up, no, he throws. He's like, throw your gun out. So he throws one out. Oh, I yeah. love like, this right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He goes, best line. Tell him to throw the other one out, or we're gonna shoot. He's like, he, he's I've like, only got all, one. He's like, throw it out, or we're gonna shoot. You he's better. Like, 
He's you like, you know, he was like, I don't have, I don't have another gun. He's right. like, well, then you Same better shit <laughs> another gun <laughs> and throw it right up now. Here. And of course, here comes and then one comes one. up. I yeah. just love it. Actually, oh, the, yeah. the best part of that is uh, Sam Jackson kind of looks at uh, Walter Goggins and it's just kind of like, told you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he pops out and he kind of says like, look, we will make you a deal right now. He's like, all you got to do is kill Warren to Maddox to Chris he's like you kill you kill Warren you haven't done anything that isn't forgivable he's like we'll give you Bob the Mexican and we'll give you somebody uh, um, well and Tim Roth says like, I'm, I'm, gonna, gonna I'm not gonna last two days so, so you can take my body there's like a I'm fifteen thousand yeah. dollar bounty on me there's like a ten thousand well, dollar bounty on isn't he don't they kill Jody almost well, sec- not, not I thought yet. they kill him almost as soon as he pokes his head out uh-uh. because they he starts talking about the deal and then, I thought it was Daisy that tries to broker the deal uh uh-uh. uh I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I no, I, th- I thought that you're right. He does die pretty quick. They look at each other like, "Hey, dummy," and then, and then yeah, they blow. Yeah, Jody's head is that off, right? Which yeah. is great. Okay, which is great because and then and Daisy's mad at Mannix for working with a black guy because she's like, "I thought you were a trust, man of the South a, or a whatever. trustful racist." Right. Yeah. And <laughs> and uh, well, he starts thinking about it. like he's definitely said like, and she, then they start broker. She okay. starts brokering the deal yeah. of like, look, the dead guys that each everybody in this gang's worth ten. Jody's worth fifty, right? And she's like, so you've already got like two guys. <laughs> he goes, I can't take the Mexican. I blew his face off, like, right? Yeah, and he's yeah, gonna believe me. Who yeah, he is. that was funny when when, <laughs> Mar- was worth when, Sa- when Samuel Jackson is like, well, he's not worth anything because <laughs> nobody's gonna know who he is. <laughs> Which I thought was good, but yeah. so so he so Mannix wants to take Jody, and she's like, no, we're taking him, and he's gonna be buried, you right? Know? And he's like, you know, so he kind of like. He, it looks like the character that we have seen throughout this entire movie starts to come back where he's yeah. like, eh, let me listen to this for a second. So they kind of sit down and he starts listening to what they have to say. And then um, I'm trying to think. Oh, okay. So Joe, Joe Gage. So we learned that each one of these people are people that Sam Jackson and John Ruth would have known had they given them the real names. Right. So they're all part of this <coughs> giant... He's like... so it, what They weren't pronouncing it Domergu, the gang. It was like the Jody something gang, but they it was clearly Domingue. the name. I'm pretty Domingue sure Domingue Domingue. is oh, okay. what they were saying. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what... Uh, it doesn't matter. So she kind of lays out after they've killed Jody. Yeah, he's like Jody Domingue, and she's Daisy Domergu for some reason. Because he all loves to make weird names. Yeah. Like he's always... And, okay, at first I didn't like that name. I was like, what the hell kind of name is that? And then the more they said it, I'm like... I like that name. Like it's weird and so out there, but I'm like, right. I kind of like it. Daisy Domergoo. It's just so weird, but she know. is goo. Like she's not attractive. <laughs> Did at she all. always have her front teeth broken out? No, no. She, no. Okay. So Kurt Russell busts her teeth out. Yeah. Okay. She, I didn't see the transition point, and then this whole scene where she's doing the deal, she's yelling, and she has no front teeth, and I'm like, ooh. That's the thing is like <laughs> she doesn't have any lines. Like she has no lines up until like the last well, like, what get, 15 minutes. You get punched in the face if you talk. Oh, that's true. So, you know, well, like, I mean? up until the last 15 minutes is where that character kind of comes back, and yeah. I mean realize, she speaks, but she doesn't have much right not, and, and they have an interesting relationship though kurt russell because as mean as kurt russell is to her there's also moments where he's very like protective of her well he's and, protective of his money well no because there's moments where like she's got stuff on her face and he like wipes it off oh that's I true think he, i think it shows i think kurt russell's character is a gentleman and is a law-abiding guy and like even though he's bringing her in to be killed because she is a bad person he still has this like gentlemanly like good person that's you know true I mean? it's like, they're trying there's a funny scene where they're trying to eat yeah and like they both keep like jerking their hands the wrong way so he's like i'm gonna uncuff you but don't yeah screw me over and then she's like can i play the guitar and he lets her and he lets but, her but, but then this, he freaks out and destroys the guitar and because, because of what she's saying because she's yeah, saying, she's saying uh, oh, I'm gonna, i mean i mean line basically about you're gonna die yeah. right right and, and i'll outlive you right which the is guitar. true but yeah. no <laughs> he didn't know that yeah um 
so yeah so she kind of lays out she kind of says like look you can take me to Red Rock, but there's going to be 15 gang members there. Wait, 15 of the most ruthless gang members yeah. you've ever seen waiting for you. This is alternate his alternative option. He can either, you know, let her free go. her and take the bodies or be mowed down. Right. By yeah. And then gang. he kind of calls her out. He's like, no, there's not like there's yeah. nobody there waiting for you at all. Like this was your plan. This is all you have going for you. And I love Sam. So Samuel Jackson is seriously injured with his balls blown off. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I love that he is commentating from the background, like saying, Manics don't do this or whatever or like ah but it's in laughing slow-mo. at him. like like there are scenes like he's doing thing like when they talk to Manix and they're yeah. talking to Manix and Domergue like it's in standard speed yeah but when they go back to Sam Jackson like they slow it down yeah. and I I was wondering if it's because like he's so injured that he is like that's that's his perception of what's going Probably. on but I thought that was kind sometimes, of sometimes cool, like it's not always no 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 they do go like, back towards to the end. like no <laughs> right, don't yeah. but I just love his little like peanut gallery like. Yeah, ah, I told you. He's laughing at her, and he's right. saying, "Don't do this." I just think it's funny that he's so injured, but he's kind of in the background. He's still doing his thing. Yeah, yeah. It's so uh, Joe Gage is sitting there, and he ends up going for a gun, and it slows down in slow mo. And then uh, Mannix ends up killing Joe Gage. They end up killing. Well, I love that Mannix eventually says that he's not taking the deal. Oh, yeah, right. And right. she's like, "What are you talking about?" And she starts getting all flipping out. And he's like, "He's like, you were gonna let me drink that coffee." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all comes down yeah. to no matter what happens in the future, he's like, "You were gonna let me drink that <sighs> coffee and die." So I'm not gonna. Save yeah, you all I could think about was that scene in Dogma where they kill the entire, where Bartleby and uh, Loki kill, or not Bart. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon kill that entire boardroom board of people, yeah. and they go back to shoot the woman. And he's like. What? what did he do? He's like, you didn't say God bless you when I sneezed. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah. we're good. He's like, all right, fine. Um, so, yeah, they end up killing everybody, and they're kind of leaning back, and they kind of had this line about how Warren has a line where he's like, don't kill her. He's like, we got to do this for John. And he was like, what do you mean? He's like, she's going to hang. Yeah. And they're just, he's like, what? So they end up, the next scene, it cuts, and the next scene is her with He him. said, he said, we're, we're both going to die. But you know what? Yeah, we're Our last act it. is going to be. Yeah, she's going to hang. Yeah. And I love it. They're all bloodied and they're on the bed and they're pulling this rope together. And you can tell they're so injured. Great performances. Both oh, of them yeah, just absolutely. Amazing. And so they're both pulling this rope and they tie it to the bedpost and they're just laughing at her. <laughs> things. And uh, there was something satisfying because you hate that Daisy Donald yeah. character yeah, so you much. Hate, well, you don't right, like you know? it's weird that when the, the turn happens when she sees you don't hate her as much until you watch her. Until you realize that she knows that the coffee is poison, and yeah. then she's just just as ruthless well, as all. Kills, and she killed John Ruth, right, and you're right. just like, she oh, cut I hate John her. Ruth's arm off. Yeah, so yeah. like you get oh, that. Oh yeah, so they're, <laughs> they're scrapping and trying to get the gun or whatever, and she has this body she's dragging around. Right. So she ends up just cutting. Cutting. The, the, isn't there a sword on the mantle or something? Or I don't what remember. Does she it doesn't use? matter. Like, yeah. But she, yeah, it's like it's the she, sword from Kill Bill. Yeah. It's a Hattori Hanzo yeah. sword. Nice. Uh, no, no, that's not true. So that's that's kind of where we end our movie. Is there? She's she dies. Daisy they dies, hanger, the hanger, and then, and then they. Cut, you assume that they both. Well, and then and then Mannix asks asks to read the Lincoln letter, right? Which right, I thought right. was an odd way to go out because it goes out like it's this touching lesson, but it's like the the letter's fake. But I think it was just kind of like, let me see it. Well, I like that he and then he, he crumples it. Was, like, he, he reads goes, old it. Mary Todd. That's a nice touch, right? And he crumples yeah. it up and th- tosses it. Yeah, to and me I'm, was I'm like, glad they added that line about that's a nice touch because at that point I was almost wondering like. Did the film didn't forget know that, it's fake? that the letters fake? No, I think right. it just. And, but but I was glad I yeah, didn't. It, yeah. it removed that from the equation that he's like, and that this character remembers that the letters are fake. fake. And then that's how our movie. And that's how our movie ends. Yeah. Uh, it, this uh, like I was trying to think of like where this falls in the filmography of Tarantino, and I, to me, it's probably in the, my top four. 
Like I loved this movie. I like, I, did, I, I, I think, think the writing was so good. It was such a clever. Like I love it when you can take a movie and put it in one room because I mean it's been done before. Yeah, I mean this is this is almost a stage play. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes yep. they're really bad and they fail, and sometimes they work. And this movie works because you don't need yeah. more scenery. It's and, it's the well script. Reservoir Dogs was practically a stage. Yeah, Reservoir right, Dogs. Right. Was, yeah, that's another. And one. I love that. I just love that he can do that because Quentin Tarantino has this this dialogue, and some people try to emulate it and you get these talkie movies that are clearly an homage or or trying to do the tarantino thing right but they're not tarantino and they can't write like him you know the the emulation is not as good and so i love it when you see one of these things and you're like yeah that's the guy yeah you know? yeah that's the, like, that's this the guy is... that wrote true romance that's the guy that made reservoir dogs had all those that's the guy fictions. who, who I mean, had just, that, who had that yeah. great quote in crimson tide yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that at the time but uh, yeah I, uh, he was know, also a script doctor on it's pat so let's not oh, we can't all be winners. Yeah, so exactly. So <laughs> now you know why Julia Sweeney was in Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. That is a weird where she walks out and was like, What are you like, doing? How here? did this happen? <laughs> right. I just want to know how it happened. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Uh yeah, I think, you know, if you have the time and you're willing, if you know obviously if you have the time to listen to these three hours of podcasts, you can probably well, it's watch not the just, movie. It's not just yeah. that. Like, I, I guess I've always felt like Tarantino has his audience, oh, absolutely. and it's not a cross audience. Like, yeah. there are Tarantino people, and that's all he's a, all he attracts. Yeah. But I say that, and then I realize that the show that you went to was sold out. The show I went to was sold yeah. out. The show that was after mine was sold well, out. Well, yeah. I, I don't think that speaks to anything. I mean, honestly, this, I is, do. this, like, is, this is a Tarantino movie in 100 theaters in the entire world. I mean, they're going to be sold out. There's four showtimes yeah. in a the day. The real test will and, be next. And, week. I guess that's I don't true. think that says anything. But you got to remember. I mean, Tarantino has made some money. I mean, okay, I think Inglorious Bastards was incredibly wide appeal. Absolutely, yeah. I don't think there's it. That wasn't a Tarantino audience. That you don't was think so? mass appeal. No, that transcended. Yeah. That was Brad Pitt. That was that was like a Do huge. You, okay, so I guess that's cr- that's my... when it started. Well, I mean, Kill Bill was huge. I think that was a really big following. Yeah, but I think then that audience carried over. And Do you think Fiction was a huge hit? It was. That was yeah. Yeah. Do you think yeah. this, do you think that, that Tarantino was the draw of Inglorious Bastards, or do you think it was Brad Pitt as that character? I think that's a huge part. I think it's both. I think Tarantino is certainly a draw. He's a director that can open a film. Sure. But but I think he's Brad the draw. Pitt, it doesn't to, doesn't hurt. He's the draw to Tarantino people that love yeah. Tarantino yes. films. You're right. gonna see, give that but, guy the Fantastic Four. But when you have but when you have Brad Pitt in there, I think that character and it was such a good character because it was at the time not a Brad Pitt <laughs> so role. I don't speak right. any Italian, it wasn't a like very I Brad said. Pitt thing to do. No. no. Now Brad Pitt has turned into a different animal now. But back then it was like what a weird thing for him to do. Yeah. And that's like. The highlight of the movie I do is love that, that character. Movie. Yeah. That movie's fantastic. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so that's hateful eight. Yeah, do mm-hmm. it. If you have the time, if you're willing to do it, it's amazing. It's so good. Yeah. So I don't know what we're gonna do next week, but uh well we never do. <laughs> we never do. But uh but uh we'll that's go our on. New Year's resolution to res- figure <laughs> out what we're gonna <laughs> start, do. Start, start planning this show in advance. So. <laughs> we'll go around the table and everybody can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts B U T T S twenty one. I'm Kevin Brackett. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. If you want to continue the conversation online, if you have thoughts about The Hateful Eight, if you've seen it, we welcome any and all. Yeah, I want, to hear, I want to hear your thoughts. So join us at Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers or email us at Real Spoilers at ReviewSTL.com or tweet us at 
real spoilers. Also, don't forget, we're available on the iTunes, so you can go there and subscribe and rate and review us. That helps a lot. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, while you're on our Facebook page, if you like the episode, share it on your Facebook page so your friends can check it out. That helps us tremendously as well. Mm -hmm. And again, we greatly appreciate it. We do. So don't know what we're doing next week, but I'm sure we'll do something. Until next time, JB's death teaches Gillum to give up the guns. I haven't bought underwear and my mother's been dead for seven years. Huh? You haven't bought underwear in seven years? Yeah. Well, that's fair. holy how much underwear I you have. You only wear one pair a month. I just wear the one. So, <laughs> I mean. Just wear it till it wears out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's, that's how funny. much underwear there is. Uh, there's uh, on Amazon Kindle sales today. Yeah. They have a bunch of Calvin and Hobbes on sale. Oh, and they have a bunch of Charlie Browns on sale. Oh, nice! I so. I have a f- so last year for Christmas I got that giant, like three volume set. Oh Calvin yeah, the Hobbes. complete oh, the complete Calvin Hobbes. Yeah. it's so yeah. good. And that'd be good in digital. I bet it looks really clean. It's probably yeah, really yeah. cool. I I love that with cartoons like that. Where I mean, even graphic novels, comic books. I mean, they just the crispness and the the colors you know i mean yeah. i really i really like i know there's something to hold in that page but man just i love how clean they look i hate yeah. it when zach's like i don't like these kindle i want to hold a real book i'm like bitch you're on your phone 24 <laughs> 7 yeah oh yeah i i would never go back to regular books after kindle i mean you can read at night you know i mean yeah. it's, it's yeah, no lights true. no i mean it's just so handy yeah, it is nice. and if it's I, one if thing. i want to read in bed after and crystal wants to sleep i can just put it on black background on, yeah. with white ta- and yeah. right yeah I well just, and plus traveling so do you want to bring the freaking you know hard cover lord of the rings anthology with you or do you want to bring a little thin yeah you know, it, is a, it is a catch-22 because like i love like i will never get a comic digitally 
I just won't do it. Like I don't I don't like it. I don't want anything That's to do with it. That's a collector in you probably. It, it is, but I also yeah. like I like the tactile nature of flipping a page in a comic book and then like <clears throat> or like that the reveal, like the like yeah. sometimes I do that with a big reveal. I but I that being on that being said though, like I don't want to lug around like yeah. if I if I want to read The Dark Knight, yeah, like yeah. I don't want to I don't want to lug around yeah. my absolute copy right. of it, you know. So like that makes yeah. sense, but like an issue format I prefer to have it like yeah. in issues, but like if I'm going to read a collection, I'll I'll yeah. read it. Like on. you said, double edged sword. I do like buying those volumes though, where you can get a whole a whole volume for ten bucks or five on sale. Yeah, I was like, he sent Tom sent me a big old thing for like Star. They were doing a massive Star Wars sale, and yeah. unfortunately, I have all like yeah <laughs> all of the stuff on there. I had, but like they they did a there's a cool book called Star Wars Legacy that it's about Luke's great great grandson and like his trying to either be a Jedi or a Sith and he's like a drug addict. So Ray's yeah. great grandson. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> well, I know uh they did a huge Dark Horse did a huge sale with the EU digitally yep. where it was like for 75 bucks you, you got, got the whole thing everything you yeah. ever did. <laughs> Which is you got to cherry pick the shit out of that cuz some of it's really good and some of it's awful. Yeah. And is that not canon anymore? Not anymore. No. Nope. That uh, would bother anything? me if I bought all those and I was like, "Oh, this is cool." And then it wasn't even real. No, I feel like called, uh, Star Wars Legends. Yeah, now, now they're yeah. just yeah. legends. Yep. Tales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but for seventy five bucks for all of it, that's for a, like fifteen years yeah, worth, fifteen of, years worth of stuff. And they it's were a good deal, no doubt. They were cranking that shit out because that's why I stopped collecting it. Because at first I was getting all that dark horse stuff. Oh man, and then, I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep up. I'm like, okay, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, they had like they had Legacy, Knights of the Old Republic. They had all like different stories. People yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, let's start on this. This yep. is a three-hour movie. Let's not make it a three-hour podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, I thought that's what we were doing. We now. did that last we, time. Yeah. yeah, isn't it minute for minute? Yeah, on the movies now. <laughs> Here we go.